chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. Looking at the attack against Ai. And first part of it here, we see the very familiar story with Achan. In verse 1, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, and the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. So it says that the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. But who did it? But the children of Israel are held accountable. So why is all Israel guilty? Interesting that, to, to think of this. Sometimes there are times in the Bible, or actually most times, when an individual commits a sin, it is that individual that is at fault. But there are times when an individual commits a sin and an entire nation is held. Something to ponder. We'll figure out more of that as we go along. But it says the accursed thing here, the word here is the Hebrew word, kerem. It means it's translated a couple of different ways in the Bible, in your Bible. Cursed, accursed, doomed, dedicated, and here's the real big one, net. That fits right in, doesn't it? Cursed, accursed, doomed, dedicated, and net. N-E-T. Net. There are about three or four scriptures in there where the word is actually translated net. Talking about a net, fisherman's net. And uh, you can go back up there and, and check that out. If you have a quick verse, you can do a real nice uh, search on that. If you don't, well, then you can't. <laughs> so this is uh, what this is translated at. I went through the Bible and grabbed a few more of these so that you would see this. I put the references. I was able to, to uh, cram them into your outline there. And it's just for you to look up later. I'm going to read them here for you. Leviticus 27, 21. But the field, when it is released in the Jubilee, shall be holy to the Lord as the devoted field. It shall be the possession of the priest. So there is something that is devoted. It is dedicated to God for the purpose of giving to the priest. In Joshua 6, 17, this is where we see the command for this. Now the city, speaking of Jericho, shall be doomed. There's that word. By the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. She and all who are with her. In the house. Because she hid the messengers that we sent. And you by all means abstain from the accursed things. There's that word. Lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things. And make the camp of Israel a curse. And trouble it. So lest you become accursed. You individually become accursed when you take of the accursed things. And make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. So God is very clear about this. Now, when it says this thing is dedicated in this particular reference here, it says doomed. The reason for it being translated doomed with all the other translations you can do is because God has said, I have dedicated this to me and I want it destroyed. So if something is in your possession... You can do with it as you want. Because it's yours. Nobody else's business what you do with it. You can do with it as you want because it's yours. You know, people want to try and impose your, their will on you know, your stuff. How many people have people who want to impose their will on your stuff? And you just simply say, it's mine. I'll do with it as I want. If people want to tell you how to handle your car what you should do with your car, where you should park it, where you should drive it. You simply say, it's my car. 
Or you may say something like, are you making the payments? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you paying for the gas? <laughs> well, simply say stuff like that, right? Because it's my car. If I'm making the payments on it, if I'm doing the stuff that I'm washing it, I'm taking care of it, I'm doing the maintenance on it, it's my car. I do with it as I want to. You may have ideas of what I should do with it, but it don't matter because it's mine. <laughs> I'm going to do with it as I want to. <laughs> now, doesn't that happen just to do with, with stuff? How many of y'all know that, uh, you know, have it lunchtime? Is it your lunchtime or somebody else's lunchtime? It's your lunchtime. What are you going to eat in lunchtime? What do you want? What if somebody comes up to you and says, you shouldn't all eat that? You say, what? It's my lunchtime. I'm going to eat what I want. Now, you don't always eat what you want. There are times that you eat what you should. But it's still your decision. You don't want someone else deciding that. Now, we know the government's getting involved in, in school lunches. I heard an article the other day of this where they're now regulating lunches and they're taking away all the, the good stuff, pizzas and <laughs> hamburgers and cheeseburgers. You know, the first lady, Michelle Obama, got the idea that uh, we ought to regulate lunches. And so she's imposing a lot of things on schools and what they ought to do. So I found out now that there's, they had an article in the paper, or some paper, I'm not sure who, which one it was, but I heard it read that they are, uh, there's a black market now for pizza. <laughs> And these children that everybody's always saying they don't have any money for food somehow come up with the money to buy pizza and, and junk food items because they don't want the cardboard that they're serving at the school lunches anymore. Even though the cardboard is free, they'd rather find the money to buy the pizza. And what was interesting about the article was sometimes the teachers are the ones selling it. <laughs> the teachers are getting involved selling the contraband, the pizzas and the hamburgers and the, and the cheeseburgers. And, uh, and such things as that because there's a demand for it. Because the kids are saying, you may want me to eat that, but I don't want to. It's my lunch. I'll eat what I want. And so they're, they're eating what they want to on their, on, the, on their lunches. But, you know, you can't tell you what to eat for your lunch. You can't tell you what to do with your car. You can't tell you what to, who to put in your house. It's your decision. And so if God says that city is mine, then he gets to do with it what he wants to. We can't sit there and say, well, you shouldn't destroy all this good stuff. Look at all this stuff out here. This is good. St you shouldn't do that. That's not our role to do that because it's his. Why is it his? Because he said so. Because <laughs> he, you know, the whole earth is his. And he said, that one is mine. You don't touch it. I'm going to let you have some of the spoil from all the other cities. But this first one, this is mine. Now, what's neat is some of the cities that are coming up are far more prosperous than this one. But God just said, I want that one because it's the first one. And so here's the problem. You've been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years and you haven't seen a lot of the good stuff that's in this city. And so here you come to the first one and you come up and you see a lot of the nice stuff, the gold, the silver, the nice clothes. And it's the first place that you come to. I mean, it's like if you had been starved for shopping for 40 years. And then all of a sudden you came upon a Target. Now maybe Target's not your first choice for, for clothing. But when you've been starved for shopping for 40 years, Target can look pretty good. I'll wait for the next one. <laughs> it, it can say, oh, look at, look at that. I haven't seen a new this or whatever it might be for a long time. That looks good. 
Now, it might be that there's a J.C. Penney or a Macy's or a, a Lord and Taylor's. And what's the other guys that you know, keep moving up there? Um, Abraham and Strauss, are they still around? I remember them being around. Bloomingdale's. Maybe there's one of those stores around. Uh, and, and you may n- not know that they're in the future. You're over here at Target. And you're thinking, boy, look at that new sweater. That's a nice looking sweater. I haven't had a new sweater in a long time. And you take that one. And lose out on the ones that you could have had from all the other more richer cities. Because you did that. So you don't argue with God. If God said, it's mine, it's His. But there's a difference here. Because when God says, that is mine. We're going to see as we go through this story. There's problems when you mess with what God said is His. And when He puts this word on it. Stay back. Joshua 22, verse 20. Did not Achan, the son of Zerah, commit a trespass in the accursed thing, and wrath fell on all the congregation of Israel? And that man did not perish alone in his iniquity. 1 Samuel 15, 21. But the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, <laughs> to sacrifice the Lord your God in Gilgal. You know, that's Saul up there. He's uh, justifying why he uh, kept them. 1 Kings 20, verse 42, Then he said to him, Thus says the Lord, Because you have let slip out of your hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction. That's the king who let the guy go. Remember the prophet got all wounded and dressed up and was there on the side and he said, I was guarding a man and uh, he overpowered me and got away. And So the man said, Well, then, you know, your fate's in your own hand. You should die. And so then he got up, took off the disguise to, and the man recognized him as a prophet. Then he says, you just pronounced your own sentence. You let a man go that you were supposed to kill. And this is what he said to him. Because you have let slip out of your hand a man whom I appointed, that's that word, to utter destruction, same word, maybe just one time it's in there and they pulled both words from it. Therefore, your life shall go for his life and your people for his people. Ezekiel forty-four twenty-nine. they shall eat the meat offering and the sin offering and the trespass offering and... Every dedicated thing in Israel shall be theirs. Now here we're seeing this word being brought into things like offerings and tithes. The things that are God's belong to God. You don't touch God's stuff. Sometimes, you know, we hear people say, don't touch my stuff. And we think, oh, you heathen. (laughs) Right? What do you mean don't touch your... You you, you need to get an attitude adjustment. Right? Sometimes we think that. They ought to get a do- You're supposed to be godly. Well, godly says, don't touch my stuff. That's mine. I put my name on it. You don't touch it. So he says, leave it alone. Well, verse 2. Now, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men went up from there, from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about thirty-six men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shabiram, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth of his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. 
Now, it's not that this plan was bad. The spies went in. They said, you know, there's not a whole lot of people. They're just in two or three thousand. We've talked about this section of uh, before. And their plan, more than likely, you know, if you have all the people that you want at your disposal, and you're not going to send two or three thousand against two or three thousand, would you? You would send two or three thousand maybe against two or three hundred or a hundred. There were not many people in this city. They still outnumbered them greatly. They just didn't need to take all the people. They need, didn't need hundreds of thousands to go out against a hundred or whatever number of people was in this city. This village actually is all that it is. We don't, we don't really need to, to mess with all of them. And truthfully, they were right. You don't need to. The problem that they failed is not because they only sent two or three thousand. It wouldn't matter if they sent everybody there. They would have failed. <laughs> Fortunately, they only sent two or three thousand. It didn't look quite as bad <laughs> as it would have if they would have had the, the whole group there. So they uh, fled from them and 36 people died. Now, did those 36 people do anything wrong? But 36 families are left without a father. 36 families' children are left without a dad. 36,000 wives or 36 wives are left without a husband. Assuming that all of them are married. Usually if you're a man of war, you're old enough to fight. You're old enough to get married in this, this area. So I'm assuming that they're pretty much all married. Well, that's not good. And some of us times we can get up there and just kind of get mad. This isn't fair. Why did these people have this go on? So Joshua tore his clothes. Hearts of the people melted like water. Now I put this in your outline. Anyone can spot a problem. Few discover the cause or its cure. And by cure, I mean a right cure. A lot of times people come up with a cure and it's wrong. The cure is as bad as anything else is. I mean a godly one. Few discover the cause or its cure. They make assumptions. Well, maybe this happened. Verse 7. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Why are we hearing language like this coming out of Joshua's mouth? Because calamity struck and there's no reason for it. We just won a big victory over Jericho. It's a monstrous victory. And then we came here to Ai. This doesn't make sense. Even the, He's looking at this. In the natural, we should have won that battle. And with Jericho, we needed supernatural help and God supernaturally showed up. With Ai, in the natural, just without any interference, we would have won that battle. But we didn't. We lost it. It's almost like God was fighting on their side. If God's fighting on their side, what made him switch? Did he, just, did he bring us over here for nothing? So all these things are going through his mind. And so he finally gets after all this time of spending before the, the ark. He finally opens up his mouth. Whether he opened his up, mouth, up his mouth before, we don't know. But now he says, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites? To destroy us? Well, he knows that's not what God did. And he's got the promise of God. Never once does he bring up the promise of God that said, No man shall be able to stand before you. Not one time did he do that. If I was Joshua, this guy who was ready to take on the Lord Jesus Christ in a one-on-one -on -one battle, 
is now cowering in the city of Ai. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns his back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So while he's in there in ashcloth, put the ashes on his head, or you know, sackcloth, ashes on the head, all that sort of stuff, and he's laying before the ark, what is he doing? His mind is going to work. All right, they all, right now they're all in fear of us. They're not going to be in fear of us now. They're going to forget all those wonderful miracles they heard. They're going to hear that we lost at Ai. So they're all going to get together. They're all going to become strengthened and they're going to all come at us at once. And then what do we do? We couldn't even stand up in front of Ai. We're all going to die. He's thinking these thoughts. These thoughts are coming to mind because the enemy works that way. He wants to sow thoughts in. So all we need is a little bit of calamity. He's got an inroad and he's coming on in. He's putting all kinds of stuff here. So who gets blamed for this? God, the Lord God. He, he's the reason. That's what most people do. Anytime that something bad happens, what happens? What do we do? God, why'd you do this? Why'd you allow this? Why'd you bring this about? Always blaming God. Oh, that we had been content. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, we're reaching for too much. We're not supposed to have done that. Oh, that I would have been content. Not have gone for this and that and the other thing. You know, most of the time that we're going along with things with God, you know, God moves us from one house to another, a smaller house to a bigger house, a to a bigger house or, you know, one kind of car to another kind of car and we're increasing and God is, is growing things and we're getting better at doing stuff and the pay's coming in is, is more. And then all of a sudden, if things take a turn, oh, why didn't I just stay content in the townhouse? Why did I go and ask for so much more? Why wasn't I just content with that used car? Why did I have to go out and buy a new one? Why wasn't I content with that old stereo? Why did I have to go out and buy a new one? And when we begin to look at all these things, oh, it's because I was discontent. I should have been content with what I had on the other side of the Jordan. Why did we long for what was on this side? We were fine for 40 years over there, and then we come over here, and now we got trouble. So all these kind of things are going through his head, and he's allowing them. Put in your outline, how do we know if we have been discontent and took what we shouldn't, what we couldn't support or went into the promised land? How do you know that? How can you tell if you took on more than you should have or if you went into the promised land and faced calamity? Well, for these folks, it's real easy. They had the promise of God. God said, I'm going to take you into the promised land. I'm going to give it to you. So therefore, since God said, I'm going to take you in there, I'm going to give it to you, then there's no fault on their side, their side for having gone after it. Put this in your outline too. When an enemy prevails, our flesh is prone to fear. And this is what Joshua is doing. And our mind comes up with reasonings. Remember reasonings from the Sunday morning series? When an enemy prevails, our flesh is prone to fear. And our mind comes up with reasoning. So now we're engaging the flesh and the soul. But not the spirit. Both block our spirit from hearing the Holy Spirit. If he can bring us into this fear. And he can bring us into reasonings. Our mind is caught up in reasonings. Our spirit is caught, or our, our flesh is caught up with fear, then our spirit can't hear God. If we can't hear God, we can't hear what He's saying, and our faith isn't built up. That's what happens with Joshua. Because Joshua has been ascending and descending and ascending and ascending, and now all of a sudden it's like the bottom drops out. 
It's like he bought that house that God told him to go out there and get and now he can't make the payment. And now he's questioning, should I have gone this way? Should I have taken this? I don't know. But he's not hearing from the Spirit as to what to do because he's in fear. We know he's in fear because what's he talking about with all the people? They're all going to come around here, surround us and kill us. That's fear. Reasonings. He's trying to reason out. He's trying to come up with the, the, the way that this has come about. So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up! Why do you lie thus on your face? So he let him lay there all that time and when he finally starts talking to him and pouring out, you know, singing the blues. God says, Get up! Hey, that's about all he could hear. Sometimes, you know, slap across the face is about all you can get. You ever watch those movies? You know, the one of the lead characters is getting hysterical. And what do they do? Slap them. <laughs> Bring them back to reality. Hey, listen. Why do you lie thus in your face? Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Now, here's the thing. The, what God told them in chapter 6 he gave them a special thing. That city is doomed. Do not take any of the accursed things. If any one of you takes of the accursed things, you will bring all Israel into trouble. You will trouble all Israel, but you're going to bring them into sin and you will become a troubler of all Israel. Now, if you had that stern of a warning from God, no one take anything. If you're thinking, what's the first step you do after Jericho? I think I'm, I'm grabbing all the priests and we're going before the Ark of the Covenant and we're saying, God, did we do okay? Before we make another move, did we do okay? Because you're going to hold all the, account of, the whole congregation accountable on this one. Did we do okay? Would God not have said at that point, no? And they could have taken care of it before they ever went into battle. But they never did it. When God gives a stern warning about a thing, you had better take it to heart and take extra precaution to make sure that you did all right. It's just like if you bought that new gadget, that new tool, uh, tool for the yard or something like that, and it had a stern warning. Do not whatever. Don't you make sure, doubly sure, that it's not done that way? Don't you, you go back and double check it again? Let's just make sure that we didn't do it that way. I'm no, I, I know I didn't, but let's just make sure. God gave them a stern warning. Don't do it. If any one of you takes all that stuff, you bring the whole congregation into it. And then after it all happens and you, you fail against AI, what should be your first thought? Something didn't go right at Jericho. Instead of, God, why'd you do this? Now, this is Joshua's wake-up call. Again, this is his first time as the head. He's always been second. It's a whole lot easier being second. Just like in football. It's a whole lot easier being assistant coach. A whole lot harder being head coach. There's a, lot, a whole lot of people out there who are uh, a whole lot of assistant coaches who were given the job of head coach and didn't make it. it kind of fell out because it's a different amount of pressure. Different, different thing. It's always easy to pick on the head coach, but it's tough being in there. 
Joshua's experienced this now. He is the head guy. It all comes down on him. He faltered here. But he learns from it. Doesn't falter again. Just like Moses. He faltered a little bit when he was first at the head. When those uh, plagues didn't quite go the way he thought they ought to go. But then that was it. We didn't see Moses falter after that with those things. He stayed the leader that he needed to be. Therefore, verse 12, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before the enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed thing or the, the accursed from among you. So they had taken this. Is, this is huge, this verse here. Israel has sinned. This is the cause. For they have even taken some of the accursed. They didn't take all. They took some. That's real important. And when you understand the application of this story, it is real important to understand they did not take it all. They took some. And God says, I know, you only took some of it. The rest of it you left behind there. But you took some. And the sum that they took compared to what was there was very small. They have both stolen and deceived. He says, you've stolen. Who'd they steal from? God. And deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. So they took from God, from His stash, from His stuff, and they put it with their own. That wasn't good. It was not a good thing to be doing. Verse 13 is huge. Ties in with verse 12 here real close, but we'll bounce back and forth the two. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because... Thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. So he says, get up. There are times for praying, but when action is called for, it's not time for prayer. A lot of times people will say, well, I'm just going to pray about that. There are times that's good, but there's times when you're missing God by going away and praying. God did not say, well, just stay down there until you finish praying. He said, get up. It's not time to be praying right now. It's time for action. You guys have the accursed stuff among you. If the enemy comes against you in the camp, I can't protect you. So you better get up now. Stop wasting time sitting around here praying. <laughs> you imagine God saying that? Get up and do something about it. This is what you got to say. There is an accursed thing in your midst, though, Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. It doesn't sound like God is going to say, all right, now that you realize the problem, I'm going to help you out until you figure this thing out. No, it says, no, you better take care of it now because if the enemy comes down upon you, if little AI comes over, they're going to wipe you all out because you can't stand before your enemies. In the natural, that shouldn't happen. Without God intervening at all, it should not happen. But it could. There are times for praying, but when the action, but not when action is called for. Now, here's what I want you to really get. This is in your outline. You need to fill this in. Don't miss this one. This comes from verse 13. That which is dedicated to God is a blessing to those who give it and a curse to those who take it. That which is dedicated to God is a blessing to those who give it and a curse to those who take it. Those who give, when God said Jericho is mine, if they gave that to him as a, as a nation, 
it would have been a blessing in the next spot. But instead, it became a curse because they took what they were supposed to give. So instead of being blessed, they were cursed. Whenever you take what is dedicated to God and put it among your own stuff, you cannot stand in front of your enemies. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families. And the family which the Lord takes shall come by households. And the household which the Lord takes shall come by ma- come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. Now they have a little lot system set up, and they kind of just like roll the stuff out there, and, and they either get yes or a no out of it. And when they come to the tribe of Judah, yes. So if you're in the tribe of Judah, you're holding your breath. If you're in the rest of them, it's, oh, it's not us. All right. <laughs> We're okay. So they trusted that God would have the things fall in the way that they needed to fall to say yes or no. And they trusted that. And this is what God said to do. So they're doing as God said it. And he brought the clan of Judah and took the family of Zerites. And he brought the family of Zerites man by man and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household man by man and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was taken. Now, can you imagine this? This is just a, I mean, this is just like rolling the dice. And if a pair of twos came up, then you're the one. If anything else comes up, then you're not it. And so we roll the dice and a pair of twos comes up. I'm just throwing this out there. not what happens. A pair of twos comes up. All right, you're the family. Let's roll it again. <laughs> and we get the right household, and the right family, and the right man, all the way on down. And then they get to the right man, and they don't say, well, I hope we got this right. Did you do something? <laughs> they didn't do that. They said, all right, what'd you do? <laughs> what did you do? Now, Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. He's not saying, did you do anything? He said, you did something. Tell me what it is. And Achan answered. Now, if you're Achan, you're thinking, holy cow. Out of these two to four million people, the dice rolled to me. (laughs) Now, he may have been thinking, all right, I disobeyed the command of the Lord, but I did it in a really tiny way. Because really, when you look at what he took, it wasn't a whole lot. It was something, but it wasn't a whole lot. He may have been thinking, all right, I didn't take a whole lot. I let most of it there, but I just, just a few things. Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils of a, a beautiful Babylonian garment, maybe you hadn't seen a Babylonian garment before they've been in Egypt, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. He, he comes straight out with it. He doesn't blame it on anybody. He doesn't say, well, so-and-so. Well, this woman, I mean, she was putting pressure on me. She wanted to go shopping. He didn't do it. He didn't blame anybody else. He didn't blame it on, well, I've got 14 kids. I had to do something to support them. He doesn't do any, doesn't blame anybody. He says, I did it. I saw them. I coveted them and I took them. You so good. You tell me. Yeah, you tell me. That's all it was. Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned 
against the Lord. Doesn't try and hide it at all. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they took their time and strolled over to where the tent was. <laughs> know what they do? They ran. <laughs> they ran. Now, if you're Joshua and you want them running, you probably grab a couple of the faster guys. Because, you know, all you got to do is look around, and you can tell immediately, this guy's fast, this guy's not. Because, you know, you've, you've fought with them. You've been in the army with them. You can tell this guy can run. This guy can't run. This guy's strong. This guy's fast. You know the differences that, that are there. So they grab a couple of probably the fast guys. Go get it now. And they understood the urgency and they, they took off and they ran over to that tent. They went to the midst of the thing and, and they started digging and they pulled this thing up. I'm sure they weren't too careful with all the stuff that was there or anybody who was in their way. If the people in the tent wanted to protect it and keep it hidden and not let them in, they got moved. And they ran to the tent. There it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it. Exactly the way he said. He didn't try and hide it. And they took them from the midst of the tent brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. So Achan, you can see that the names are very similar. They're very, very similar. Achan is taken to the valley of Achor. Now one place, Achan is called Achar in Chronicles. A-C-H-A-R instead of A-C-H-A-N. Now Achan means troubler. I often have to wonder, did they name him Achan after? <laughs> because the Word of God said that anybody who takes this will become a troubler. But the valley of Achor means trouble which is serious and extreme. That's what the word Achor means. Trouble which is serious and extreme. As far as I know, Achan was named beforehand and can't really come up with anything to tell you anything different than that, but I don't know. Don't name your kids Achan. So they brought the whole family into the valley of Achor. In Deuteronomy 24, and verse 16, it says, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall the children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. So why does God say that all of them have to come? If Achan is the one who sinned, and the word of God is very clear on this, the sons, the children will not be put to death for the fathers, and the fathers shall not be put to death for the kids. It's very clear about that. Why is this being done? Well, we have to assume that the family knew it. Because God does not go against His Word. The family must have known it. They may not have sent Him in there, but He must have brought it back. And they said, look what I found. And they said, we need to hide it because you know we'll be in trouble if they see that we have it. And the family must have been brought into the sin. Because if the family saw it and the family did not come out and say, Joshua, we got a problem. Before we go over to AI, I know what you said and we're going to have trouble. Because my husband, my dad, whoever, took some stuff and he wasn't supposed to. And they didn't do it. So because of it, they became part of this sin. Well, they are never said that they wouldn't be put to death for them. They were Aikens. 
And they're not going to anybody else. I don't know if, if you were somebody else, would you want their oxen? <laughs> this oxen belonged to the family of Aiken. Oh, get that away from me. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with that. No. No, no, no. I don't want any of that. You have it. I won't sell it to you. I'll give it to you for free. Just get it out of here. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? Why have you, why have you, Aiken, brought trouble upon us? The Lord will trouble you this day. Boy, you don't want God troubling you. Because I mean, there are some people that can cause some trouble, but God laughs at them because He can cause some real trouble. You want to see Him causing some trouble? Go to the book of Revelation. That's God causing some trouble. So all Israel stoned Him with stones. Now this is two to four million people stoning one family. If they all grab one stone, that's two to four million stones coming at you. Wow. <laughs> That's if they just grab one. All of them were involved. If God said, I want you all involved, that means they all needed to be involved. I don't want to throw a stone. You get that stone, you're coming on over here with me. You're going to throw that stone. Because we all need to be involved in this. This trouble was brought on all of us and we all need to take care of it. What has to happen is we all need to say we see this as a, a, a horrible uh, this is terrible. This is this cannot happen. I see this as sin. And I'm going to be involved in the stoning. This is always going to remind me. I'm not going to do that. If God said that's His, that's His. I remember how holding that stone and throwing it. That's one of the hardest things I ever had to do. That burned in my memory. I don't ever want to do that again. And God wants this burned in their memory. Every time they come back and they see that heap of stones that's there. God wants them to say, I remember that. Boy, that was a hard day for me. I'd never been part of, of throwing a stone and being part of a stoning of anybody. But I was that day. I had to. I didn't want to, but Dad made me do it or Mom made me do it or whatever it was. And so they made this. I mean, you get two to four million stones, that's a pile. Right? That is a pile of stones. So here's what, here's what you got under the, the stones. You've got Aiken, all his stuff, all his animals, and the stuff that came from the city. It's all under the stones. So after they're dead and everybody's moved on, what if somebody gets the idea, I know what's under there. There's a gold piece, gold wedge that weighs 50 shekels. There's some shekels of, of silver. And there's a Babylonian garment I know of. And then there's plus all vacant stuff. Man, there's a gold mine underneath there. There's some stuff there. I'm going to dig, dig that out. No, no. Because that's God's. <laughs> you take that on, you're going to have the same problem that Aiken did. I'm sure if, if the children of Israel ever saw anybody playing around that stone pile, you get away from that stone pile. You don't you touch that stone pile. There is nothing in that stone pile that interests you. You don't want any of that. Get away from it. I wonder, down through the years, did anyone ever find what was underneath the stone pile? And if they did, what happened when they took it on? So all Israel stoned them with stones and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones still there to this day. I see you burn all that stuff with fire, but a whole lot of stuff don't burn. Silver don't burn. Gold doesn't burn. It's still there. Intact. Valuable. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Could have been gotten that name right from this, this is the situation here. 
But I want you to understand this. Not all sins have the same effect on us. There are some sins that have a different effect on us. Not all sins have the same effect upon us. Some have a different. When David, when he was involved with the sin of Bathsheba, didn't he still win? Win? Excuse me. Didn't he still win battles? He was still winning battles. He was still fighting cities, fighting countries, and winning. But he was involved in the sin of Bathsheba. Why didn't that sin cause him to lose when Israel lost against Ai? David went up, up against much greater odds, much stronger places, and won while he was involved in the sin with Bathsheba. Samson operated under the anointing of his calling even while he was fraternizing with the enemy, womanizing, drinking, or at least being around people who were drinking, being around people that were doing some stuff. He broke his vows a number of times. Touched dead animals, though he wasn't supposed to. And he still operated in the anointing until one day he gave away his secret about the hair and that one did it. But up until then, he was still operating under the anointing. All those other sins, Samson was no angel. He was horrible. But he kept operating under the anointing. Even though he didn't use the anointing for the best of good, he used it for Samson's good. Not for God's glory. Not for the deliverance of the people. He used it for the deliverance of Samson. And if the children of Israel got delivered in the process, well, fine. As long as Samson got delivered. But Samson didn't involve himself to deliver Israel if Samson wasn't benefiting. He's a terrible guy. Finally, at the end, he did something unselfish, but that's only because he probably just didn't want to go on living as being that kind of, a, kind of a servant and thought, death is better, so let me die. And we did that. I put this in your outline for you to fill out. Despite all that, David winning battles with the sin of Bathsheba, Samson operating on the anointing, even though he's messed up, but we cannot stand before our enemies while stealing what belongs to God. If God says it is mine, it is his. More so than any other sin, this will affect you from standing in front of your enemies if you take what God has said is mine. And this is why tithing is so important. Because if we do not tithe, then what we do, God has said the 10% belongs to Him. If I take 2% of the 10%, what did I do? I took some of what was dedicated to God. And then I cannot stand before my enemies. When God puts His Word, doomed, accursed, dedicated, on certain things, if you take of those things that God has said are set apart, are dedicated for this purpose, and I take those things and use them for another, then instead of the blessing, I get the curse of that thing. And people are not able to stand up against their bills. People are not able to stand up against the economy. People are not able to stand up against what happens in their business because they have decided to take of the accursed things. This is why it's important. Why we need to learn it. 
There are some people who learned it. We love the tear testimonies in the church of people who said, you know, I learned about tithing and I did that. And when I did that, this worked and this worked and this happened and this happened and this went and this went and all oh, was good. And then you always have those folks who are sitting there saying, I'm not tithing yet. I'm not tithing yet. I'm, I, I want to, but I'm not. I just, I can't. I just, it, there's not enough money for the month. I mean, it's just. Because you can't stand before your enemies. You can't stand before your enemies. You can't do it. Yeah, there's a place where we have to trust God and we have to have faith in Him and we've got to do some things. That's why you need to keep, you have testimonies, you need to keep giving out those testimonies. Because there's people out there that keep taking of the accursed things. Don't do it. Sometimes we can get tempted. How many times does a, a bill pop up that's just the exact amount of our tithe? <laughs> oh boy if you and the thought comes if you just don't pay that tithe then yep. you you can take care of that right away and as soon as we do that we take of the accursed things and things go downhill from there quickly very fast no we don't need to do it don't take of the accursed things if god says that's mine give it to god if i give it to god then i get blessed if i don't oh boy <laughs> it's it's trouble it's trouble. I don't know how it works. I don't know how to tell you that when you tithe and you operate on less money that you're able to do more than you were before. I don't know how to tell you that it works. I really don't understand it. All I know is do what God said. Don't take the accursed things in. You know, most of my side of the family is, is born again and tithers. My wife's side, not so much. And they would watch us, and they knew that we were making less money than them. But we didn't have money trouble. And they did. Constantly had money trouble. I think a couple of times, some of our brothers came up to her and said, How do you guys do it? And she'd tell them, We tithe. <laughs> we tithe. What we get, we tithe on it. And God just blesses it. Makes absolutely no reason why in the world it should work. But it does. Because you can stand before your enemies. Here's the thing you can go before God with. God, I have not taken of the first things. Therefore, I can stand before my enemies. So I thank you, Father. I, don't, I can come before God in prayer and I don't have to be like Joshua. Lord, why did this happen? Why is this going on? You don't have to do it. What have we got to do? <laughs> Father God, I thank you. I have not taken of the first things. What is yours, I have given to you. And what is mine, I have used. See, people want to get super spiritual and they want to say, well, all of it belongs to God. No, it doesn't. 90% of it belongs to you. Belongs to you. Say so. It it's mine. God gave, it's, I earned 100% of it. And God says, you keep 90, you give me 10. That means that 10% belongs to him and 90% belongs to me. Stop hiding behind this thing. Super spiritual attitude. Well, it all belongs to God. I just need to be steward and all. No, you don't. You need to be steward and 10. Give him 10. Do whatever you want to with the other 90. If you want to go out and buy a new car with the other 90, go buy a new car with the other 90. God isn't said, that's kind of irresponsible of you doing that with that 90% there. I'm not quite liking your food budget. I think you're spending too much money on food. I think you spend too much money on clothes. Think you spend too much money on cars. God does not care. 
And neither should you. It's not your business to tell somebody that they spend too much money on clothes. It's their 90%. They can do what they want. But out. But God has the 10. And if you take 1% of that 10, tithe 9, you've taken some. What happened when Achan took some? An entire nation of millions of people fell to a village of Ai. It's not even a city, folks. It's a village. It was so small, we can outnumber them with two or 3,000 people. We'll have them well outnumbered. Well outnumbered. If you go and send them over there, we'll be, we'll be fine. We cannot stand before our enemies while stealing what belongs to God. Didn't bring them all out here for you and put them in your outline, but you've seen them before. How many verses talk about stealing from God in the tithe? You have robbed me in the tithes. And God even says, you, tr you try me out now. You see. You go ahead and put that tithe out there. You see if I don't open the windows of heaven. But we keep hanging on to that little bit there. And has it gotten you ahead? Have you made headway? No. Nah. Not making headway. Well, trust God. Do it God's way. But so and so, they're tired. I know their life is in sin. I know that they're messing up here and they're messing up here. Uh, how come God doesn't get on them? <laughs> Same reason God didn't get on Beth, uh, David and Bathsheba. He still won victories. He's still pulling in loot. <laughs> He's doing quite well for himself. <laughs> pulling in the loot. He is in sin with Bathsheba and tithing off of what he's getting. <laughs> he's still putting away to build a house for God. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? He's sinning with Bathsheba and putting money away to build the house of God. <laughs> but what did God do? He still brought the money in. You see, it doesn't make sense in your head, but it doesn't matter. It's not your business. It's God's. This is how God set it up. When you get to heaven, you can argue with God all you want to. When you're down here, you play by the rules. Play by the rules. That's what we do. What would happen if we're all sitting around watching a football game? You know, pretty soon January's going to be here. We're going to be gearing up for the playoffs. And then the Super Bowl comes, what, in February? Heaven if we're all, I mean, everybody watches the Super Bowl for the commercials. So even people who don't watch football, sit down and watch football for the Super Bowl because we want to see the commercials. I'm sure nobody watches for the halftime show because... When was the last time we had a good halftime show? Was that 20, like 20, 25 years ago or something like that? It was a long time ago. They are boring as anything. I turned it off. I go someplace else. I do not watch the halftime shows. They are ridiculous. But commercials are great. I like the after Super Bowl commercials, you know, the, the ones that come out and they just show you all the Super Bowl commercials in case you missed any. Because there's some good ones. In there. We all know there are going to be some good ones in there. There's going well, to be some fun ones. You're going to spend that much money. But we all sit around. We're watching the Super Bowl. What happens if the players decide to play by their own rules? What happens if the refs decide to enforce rules that they think are more fair? Doesn't it change the game? Doesn't it change the enjoyment of the game for everybody? You know, what if the defensive player says, I'm tired of this offside stuff. I'm lining up behind. I'm getting a head start. I'm going to start back over here because I can get to the quarterback faster. And that's what I want to do. But you see, if the refs decide to enforce their own rules and not the ones that came from the league, even though we don't like the ones. From, I mean, the league has some stupid rules. No celebrating with another player in the end zone. If you do, you get a flag. No touching the quarterback. It seems like it's that way anyway. 
I mean, there's a whole lot of rules that are just stupid or not enforced in the same way or, or just, you know, it get, gets us frustrated. But the players start doing their own thing, the refs start doing their own thing, then the game falls apart fast. We cannot, as players, make our own rules and play the game the way we think it ought to be played. We play the game the way the rules state. And if we don't, then there's consequences with the league. The league gives you a call. Hey, you're not playing by the rules. You're out of this league, which means you don't get no money. You don't get paid all those mega bucks for showing up on Sunday to play football. And that's not, that's not fun to hear. God has set the rules. You can argue with them that they're right, for, right or wrong, whatever it is. But if how many of y'all remember back when you weren't tithing? How hard was it? Now that you are tithing. Not saying it's easy, but isn't it easier? Amen. Amen. I mean, stuff seems to last longer. God gives you wisdom on, on financial things that you didn't have before. It just seems like somehow the month got stretched out and what you had shouldn't have made it, but it did. Payments got made. You got ahead on things. I don't understand. I don't. I, I can't figure it out. But it just keeps on going. Because you can stand before your enemies. You can stand before your enemies. Don't steal from God and expect God to bless you. You cannot steal from God and expect. And then also in your prayers, Father God, I thank you that you bless me. Not when you're stealing from God. God says, you're stealing from me. I can't bless you. I like to. I like to bless you. But you see, you took what brought a curse on you. And I can't put a blessing on what has been cursed. So you need to stop that. And then I can pour my blessings on you. Glory to God. Oh, he can do it. No matter what business you're in. If you're an employee, then decisions you make and things you God is just prospering whatever comes into your hand. You can go around and say, Father God, I thank you. Whatever comes into my hand will prosper. Why? Because I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm blessed. I have blessed hands. And the devil may come along and remind you about all your other sins that don't matter. You know what? I'm tithing. I'm tithing. That means that the curse doesn't come on me. The blessing does. That's what it means. Just like David. David got blessed in all the places he went to. Why? Because he tithed. I tell you before, I'll tell you over this over and over again. All sin is not equal. Different sins have different punishments and different results. All sin is not equal. And this one is in a different ballpark. You mess up on this one, you mess up with your finances. Don't do it. You don't need to mess with that. You know what? I don't know how God does it. I do not know. We can still testify to the, you know, her brothers and other people. We don't know how we made it through certain years. Glory to God, we made it. Amen. Came through with flying colors. They're okay. <laughs> I talk to other people who make, who make bunk beds. And I've talked to so many of them. They're doing nothing. They're not making any bunk beds. They can't find the business. I call them up and say, I got somebody out in your area. You want to, you, oh, that'd be great. Oh, they're only three hours away. Oh, I'll drive there. I wouldn't drive three hours to take a bunk bed. I already turned some people down. I'm not going three hours to drive you a bunk bed. I got too many people around in here. It don't matter. People keep calling. They keep calling. They keep... We don't know what it made up. Just, just as soon as you think, well, we got everybody caught up, all of a sudden, somebody will call up and say, yeah, I want this. You want information? No, I want you to make this for me. Okay, when you want it. Oh, as soon as you can. <laughs> 
we do less advertising now than we ever have. And people just, I, I don't know how I found you, but I was doing a search and your, your site came up. I have people doing a search in Texas, finding my website and calling me up. Can you do a bunk bed? <laughs> Lady over in Virginia, call me up. And then, you know, I couldn't find anybody for her, so she called me up again. Are you sure? We'd really like you to be able to make this bunk bed. And so she said, hey, how about this company? There's this company. We finally found a company. And, you know, $229 to deliver a bunk bed down to her. Oh, Glory to God, this is good. All right, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Called me on Christmas Day. We got it set up last night. They were, we were the, oh, it went together so smooth. It was so easy. And we'll, we'll tell other people. We'll have other people down in Virginia when I <laughs> got a bunk bed. I had a lady four hours away call me up. And you know, initially she wanted four bunk beds. She cut it down to two. And I told her, I'm not driving four hours for two bunk beds. Hey, but if we meet you halfway, we really want your bunk beds. Oh, we just this, that, and the other thing. We really want to. Hey, but if we meet you halfway. I don't even know if I'm going to do that. I, I don't know. You know, you have to be smart on it. You know, you can spend, you'll waste the whole day driving a bunk bed over there. You could be making somebody else's is closer. So you got to be smart. You know, I'm not going to get in there and get all nervous. Well, like, no, you got to be smart about it. You got you to, and I, I don't get in fear because I know, you know what? We tithe, which means blessings are coming our way, which means people want to buy bunk beds from us. <laughs> as long as we got to make bunk beds, people will want to order them. Trust God. We don't even think twice. We write out a tithe check and glory to God, there it goes. Happily. Other people, other, you have the same testimony. Oh, we write out a tithe check. Oh, we just can't wait. And they, you get blessed by something, the first thing you do is you write out your check. Blessing God. Giving it God back to God. First thing you do. Why? Because you know what happens. You know, you're not afraid of the, of the bad side. You are looking forward to the good side. If I do this, God blesses me. Oh, God blesses me. But you've got to trust Him. You've got to trust Him. This is a huge area of trust. If you do it, well, I don't make that much. It don't matter what you make. What do you have that belongs to God? <laughs> Give it to Him. Stop stealing from God and asking God to bless you. He cannot do that. <laughs> Just learn. God, you can't bless people who steal from you. Therefore, I will not be one of those who steal from you. <laughs> I will be one of those who gives to you. Now, once you give the 10%, then you can really get into the blessing. Because, but you can't do it until you give 10%. After you give the 10%, after you give the tithe, now you can give the offerings. There's more blessing on the offering than there is on the tithe. And the blessing on the tithe is pretty good. But there's more blessing on the offering. <laughs> but you can't give an offering until you give the 10%. There's some people who say, well, I'll tithe 5% and then I'll give offerings. No. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't make up the rules. Can't change the rules on the field. The rules are the rules. This is what God says. All right, well, God, I can't trust you at 10%, but I can trust you at 5 Well, then you're still stealing from God. It doesn't matter. Oh, I hope you all can get a hold of it. I know most of you folks are... You already got a hold of it. You know, maybe there's some other people listening on the internet and stuff and maybe it'll help them on out. But be, don't be afraid. Testify what God is doing. When you tithe, I don't care how little the tithe is, how great the tithe is, it don't matter. When you tithe, 
and, and God blesses you back, let people know about it because it encourages them. If you just keep it all to yourself, then you're not helping them. They're not hearing the story. They need to hear the stories. They need to hear about how God blessed you here, what God did over here. They need to hear it because it encourages them to go on. Because God wants to bless us. But as long as we're stealing from them, He can't. Anything less than 10%, which is what the tithe is, anything less than 10% is stealing from God. Don't reset the rules. God made them. We cannot stand before our enemies while stealing. How many feel like your electric bill is an enemy? (laughs) Your rent is your enemy. Bank fees. (laughs) Taxes. Car insurance, all, all those kind of things. Don't you feel like sometimes they're, they are coming against your money? They are the enemy. <laughs> That's all right. Stand against them. How do you do it? Tithe. Father God, I'm not stealing what is yours. I'm not taking it. I'm not going to be like Achan. I'm not going to be like Achan. Nope, nope, no, 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 no. Now, don't think that if you don't tithe that you're going to bring everybody else down with you because that was something that was told about this most times you go over to the New Testament you have another story of people that wasn't even tithe that was just an offering and they just put it out there and they stole from God because they were giving the impression I'm giving it all and they kept part of it therefore they dedicated it all to God and then stole it when um, and that, that nuts they gave the impression we're laying this all before the altar just like Barnabas and we're giving it all and then they stole back part of it. And, and uh, what did Peter say? Ananias, why did you contrive to lie to the Holy Spirit? And he fell down dead. Nobody else did except his wife. Just the people that were involved. Just the people that were involved. Peter didn't fall down. None of the other Christians in the city fell down. It was just them. (laughs) Don't feel like, well, if we don't tithe, we're going to bring the whole church down. No, you won't. You're just going to hurt yourself. (laughs) And we don't want you to hurt yourself. Oh, we don't want that. I don't want myself hurt either. So we're going to keep on going over there and and we're going to keep on tithing. And we're going to go give it over and above that because we just know that our God is generous. And our God is more than willing to give back. You want to stand before your enemies? Don't steal from God. Don't steal from God. You follow? If you have the ability, have one of those word search programs, you know, QuickVerse or many of the other ones that are out there. Do some word searches on this word and go study it out for yourself. Take out all the verses. Look at how God, what he talks about as far as the accursed thing. If a thing is dedicated to God, Don't touch it. But if you take what is dedicated to God and allow it to go to Him, blessings come. If the children of Israel, if they, for all those who let the blessing of God flow, there's a whole lot of people who went on through that city and they saw stuff and they said, I'm not touching that. That's God's. He asked for it. I'm giving it to Him. We're going to do exactly what He said with His stuff. Well, the rest of them came on out there with blessings once they got the problem fixed. They should have gone before God and said, God, did we do okay? We don't know. We can't. We weren't there with everybody. Did we do okay? And God would have told them, no, somebody missed it. Let's get this straightened out before we go and face any other battles. But too often, Christians are going into battle and they're stealing from God. 
And they don't stand in before the littlest of enemies like AI. Glory to God. If you do tithe, the devil wants to get fear because of another sin that might be in your life or some other place where you missed it. You, you don't mess with it. You don't worry about it. The rest of those people, you think they were perfect? What did God, what did God point out? The only reason that you didn't stand in front of AI was it wasn't because, well, you know, brother so-and-so, he had a fight with his wife. That's why you couldn't. No, it wasn't any of those things brought up. Well, so-and-so, they got angry at their kids. Well, so-and-so, they coveted their neighbor's camel. No, it wasn't any of that going on, was it? I mean, those things could have happened. They could have gone on. But what did God point out? Of all the things, there's one guy out there and he stole what he wasn't supposed to steal. He stole what was what was doomed to destruction, what was set apart, dedicated for God. That's the guy you got to deal with. Nothing else. But see, the devil wants to get you focused on all the other things that you've done that have missed it. That's why your bills aren't being paid. And that's why your job isn't being blessed. And that's why all this stuff is... No, it's not. It comes down to this. What is God's in your life? Do you let it go to God or do you keep part of it? Because that is the test. God has brought all that stuff into your life. And he says, now 10% of that is mine. What are you going to do with it? It's your choice. What are you going to do? You give it to me, blessings come your way. If you don't, a curse comes upon your life. I really don't want you to have the curse. But it's going to come there if you bring that in. Go back to verse 13 again. 12 and 13. Big keys of that thing. Read that over again. On your own. Just read it over. You have got the accursed things in your midst. First thing you want to learn from this, do not take the accursed things into your midst. They do not belong to you. Treat it as such. It's not mine. That's God's. I don't know what God's going to do with it. It's His. It's not mine. It comes through me, absolutely. But it's not mine. You see, then you're listed among all those other ones who when they went through Jericho, they left the stuff alone. Where are you on that? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. You want us to be blessed. You told us the things that would affect us, that would pull us down. You gave us this story that tells about Israel, how two to four million people fell to a little tiny village simply because one person decided do their own thing. And you had said, if you take that in, all the people will be held. Now, most times, that thing is not set for all, but it is set for us. We don't want to hold on to the things that are God's. The things that are ours, that belong to God, we give back. The rest of it is ours. You gave it to us. You blessed us. You prospered us but it became ours. We thank you for it. We thank you that that 90% will go further than the 100% ever would. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.